You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to McIntyre's Next Level Podcast, a place for entrepreneurs, leaders, and dreamers to awaken and be activated to their full potential. Are you ready to get out of the boat and experience your next level? Here's your host, Michael McIntyre. Hey, welcome everybody. This is Michael McIntyre coming to you live from Dallas, Texas, here in Studio M. And uh, yeah, I know this is recorded, but I still like to say it's live because it is live for us. Yes. And so uh, we've got some amazing friends that are joining me today in this beautiful uh, interview that we're going to have. And it's just, it, I just, I get just awestruck uh, the way God lines things up and brings people together when we first meet somebody, and then sometimes we get distance, and then all of a sudden we're back together again. And so these two people are it. And uh, <clears throat> I want to introduce you to my friends, Delinda and David Nolan, and they are extraordinary individuals. Lance Wall now brought us together, gosh, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. I don't know how long ago, maybe just four years ago. It's time, time's crazy sometimes. And um, anyways, the story is fantastic. We had David and Delinda at our uh, McIntyre Business Accelerator here recently at the MBA, and they were they were the crowd pleaser. <laughs> they were amazing, and uh, they brought fire and they brought practical business and entrepreneur knowledge. And so, uh, we hope them have them at the next MBA as well. They don't know that yet, but I hope they'll come. Uh, at any rate, I'm proud to introduce these two uh, amazing couple. And Stacy and I fell in love again. And so, welcome, David. Welcome, Delinda. How you guys doing today? Good, great. How about you? Happy to be here. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're so happy that you joined us. So I want I want to introduce uh, you guys to the audience, to our audience, and and uh, and tell a little bit about your background. So uh, and Delinda, I learned so much more. Uh, you got to come here, and we got to go to dinner, and we hung out at MBA. But I heard so I heard your heart. I got to know you uh, in in a really cool way, and so. You've put up with this guy for a long time, yes? A little over 30 years. <laughs> and, and the way you guys got together was really amazing. And uh, and we don't need to go into the whole thing on that. But I just, I, I just, it reminds me a lot of Stacy and I, because, uh, you know, I was, Stacy was uh, really strong in her faith. And I was kind of Catholic and kind of half in and half out most of the time. But uh, the way you guys came together in this in this situation was really cool. And David, your background is really interesting because you uh, you you started out with a that that you thought that you were a special uh, special needs child, and you back in the day when they couldn't even diagnose dyslexia, didn't even have a, a, really a word for it, much less a cure or how to overcome these things. So your journey has been quite amazing as well. And, and the way you guys came together. So David, tell me about, if you would tell our friends uh, and our listeners and those watching what it is that really, really resonated with you in this early time in your life to where you got into entrepreneurship and, and did what you did. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because there, there are several factors. I'll go through a couple of them really quick. First of all, because I couldn't read, I quit high school. I was not getting anywhere. School wasn't for me. And, you know, in the, in the 70s, you're hearing you stay in school, uh, get good, make good grades, go to college and get a job. And I'm thinking, well, who lives in that world? Because it ain't for me. And I understood that. And, you know, you look around your classrooms going, yeah, half these kids are more than half these kids are going to do that. Or I, in my mind, I thought all the kids are going to do that, right? Except for the guys that are out the corner in the backyard skipping school with me. I mean, we weren't going to go anywhere, right? So I knew that was my opportunity. And when I quit school, my dad told me that uh, you're not going to sit around the house. You get a job, right? And so I went to get a job at a restaurant. And at that time, uh, I, I got a job as a dishwasher. And I was supposed to come back in a few days. And they gave me a piece of paper to take home. And I had dinner with mom and dad, told them about it, got in my room, took out that paper and looked at it. I'm thinking, well, this looks like a test from high school. And it's questions with blank lines. And I've got to fill this thing out. And I can't. can't read it. can't fill it out. So I didn't want to tell my mom and dad that. So I threw it away. And the next morning, I got up. I got my dad's mower and a weed eater. And I only had a weed eater that day. We had an edger. And I threw it back in my trunk of my car. And I started driving around looking to mow yards. I figured, this is my life. This is what I'm going to do. 
But I was also driven at that point to, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this as best I can. And I didn't know what that meant to be driven at that time. Right? I just knew I didn't want to starve. I, I had no choice. And dad says, get out of the house or get a job. And so I had to kind of make my way. But another thing that hit me a few years later, it's interesting, is my father worked for a company for 29 years. And they got bought out in when his 28th year. He's going to retire at 30, like at $70,000 a year, right? They bought the company and they laid him off a year before his retirement. And he got $400 a year. And I'm thinking, you spend that kind of time with a company and they can do that to you? I thought, Man, I'm not putting my hands, my life in anyone else's hands. I'll just do it myself. And that's kind of what I did. And I needed, I didn't realize you're not going to do it yourself, right? I didn't realize I'm going to need the Michael McIntyre's my life to be my mentors. So I'm going to need the Lance Wallenhouse. I'm going to need my wife. I'm going to need all these other people. And I didn't even know to look for those yet until I found, you know, Don Thompson. I started the chef at, at, with a chef met with him. And then I realized, okay, I can learn a lot from these guys here. And, and uh, that's kind of how I got started. So th those two factors were big for me. Yeah. Um, of course, you got the pain of being considered mentally retarded and being told you were your whole life. Um and you got to deal with those demons too, because they, they take latch to you and you start talking to yourself, what they're telling you, what, what people say about you, you start saying that about yourself. And that's an evil talking to yourself. You can't be Amen. talking that way. You become those things you say to yourself. Well, I, I think you're starting, the way you started is is amazing. And so when, when you were, uh, I guess you were, you know, 17, 18 year old, when your dad said you need to get a job, uh, were you following Christ at that time? Or were you even, uh, were you even following any kind of church deal or anything like that? Yeah. So at that time I went to a place called Fan Terrace Baptist Church because they, those guys in the youth went to Midland high school and I was going to Lee high school. So they didn't know I was stupid <laughs> that the Lee high school kids thought I was. And so it was easy around them. We didn't have to read in the Sunday class. We didn't have to read in the youth class. And I enjoyed that. So I was part of that, but was I walking with Jesus? No, absolutely not. Right. I, I knew of him and I, I heard about it, but I wasn't walking. Any. I had a moment at camp and came, you know, that those few days and stuff, but nothing stuck. Nothing. Sure. I wasn't walking with them. And so uh, I love that story. And I love I love the way you got into entrepreneurship and just did something and had to be what you had to do because, you know, you had that habit of eating. Right. <laughs> and you <laughs> want to continue to do that. Uh, so, uh, Dylan, let me ask you this. What 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 is your background? I think it's quite different than than David's. Yes. Yeah, quite different. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I grew up in the ministry. So my my dad, my granddad was uh, pioneered churches all over Louisiana and Arkansas. And my grad, my dad was ministry of music all my life. So grew up in church singing and uh, yeah, totally different. David grew up in bars and, you know, they ran restaurants and bars and I was in church. <laughs> yeah, big, a big difference. So, uh, so and what and forgive me did you, what faith did you grow up in was it assembly of god was our background yeah say it again i'm sorry assembly of god assembly of god okay so quite a difference from where david was right and his church background when he did go to church his dad was catholic converted to church of christ so he grew up you know even when he went to church it was so 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 different from from our experience. So yeah, yes. in every way we were different. Yes. Well, that's, you know, it's, I, I love the opposites of track. So, okay, yeah. Delena, so tell me your, uh, what was your upbringing in, with your parents? Did you travel with them? I know that you all are singers, amazing singers, and you shared some of your singing and, and uh, from your, especially from your beautiful late sister that you guys sang together. Uh, so tell us about that and how that worked out and then how you ended up meeting this this dirty rotten scoundrel <laughs> that you fell in love with. <laughs> well, so, you know, grow, growing up, my dad was uh, started off as professor of the music department at the Assembly of God School in south of Dallas in Waxahachie. So that was where I was born. And then he went into uh, ministry at churches and we were always involved in his choir or whatever, you know, whatever musically he was doing at the churches. But the, then there came a time when he left uh, and, you know, we were kind of in between trying to decide what we we're going to do. So we started traveling and uh, we had, for whatever reason, we were in Houston at the time 
And for whatever reason, we had a lot of schedulings and stuff in like New Mexico, Colorado, West Texas, whatever. So we had a friend who had a property management company and she said, come on out to Midland and just, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll give you an apartment so you can kind of base out of here rather than driving all the way back to Houston. Midland is where he was from. And so we went thinking we were going for like six months and ended up, I don't know, we were there 12 years or Mm -hmm. something. Yeah. So uh, kind of stuck there for a while. And my sister and I both met our husbands there. Wow. Fascinating. Okay, great. So, uh, and then you want to sing. (laughs) Yes. All right. So Delinda, tell me about your singing career, because you're quite the singer and, you know, your family is quite the singer. So how did that operate? Was that always in the church or was it in, in outside the church, too? It was mostly in church. Um, and, you know, because of my dad, it was just a built in, you know, we were always on stage. So from the time when I was born, when he was at the college, you know, we I we were on the road when I was three weeks old in a bus traveling with the choir. And wow. so they started me putting me on the bus microphone when I was barely over a year old. Wow. Podium when I was two years old. So I, you know, I, I didn't know anything different, but being in, in church on stage singing and, you know, there was a, a good bit of time when I, in, you know, early adolescence, I guess, that I was just so shy that my dad would have to bribe us and I would, he would let me hide behind the podium <laughs> or he, when I got too tall for that, he would lift up the lid of the grand piano and let me hide behind that. As long as I would sing, I got an icy afterwards. So <laughs> it worked out well. I love it. I love it. All right. So uh, I, I, your backgrounds are just, they just, uh, Stacey and I were just in awe when we heard some of this and I wanted to have this kind of ground you know, lay this groundwork here for the rest of our conversation. Uh, Cause I think it's important to know our come from, right. It's, it's important to know. I mean, in the Bible, there's a huge thing on lineage, right. And yeah. so I think that's very important. Uh, okay. So you two meet, I know the little story and we'll, we'll kind of uh, go through that quickly, but you meet at the restaurant and then you, you, you guys fall in love and uh, uh, David, you find out some things that David's not so truthful about. <laughs> and so, uh, but I love, what I love about that is how you went into your parents and you prayed about that. And what ha- what came from that, Delinda? Well, I-, I think I told you, like, if I had to say the two most important things to me, it's, uh, as far as character, it's honor and honesty. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, you know, because of my parents in the background, we had, we were very close and I depend, I really leaned on them. And when I started dating him, he had just come back to the Lord, you know, so. The week before. Literally. Wow. Just. <laughs> so, you know, I knew, I knew what, you know, we were dealing with, but we were in agreement as far as, you know, we sat down and talked the first night we were together. We stayed up, we sat in the restaurant, stayed up literally all night long talking went to breakfast the next morning, kept talking, you know, but it was like, you know, we were 29 and 31 at the time. And uh, we just, we kind of almost instantly knew there was something Mm -hmm. potentially there. And so we were just putting it all on the table, (laughs) almost all. Yeah. <laughs> almost all. Almost all. And then um, you know, got confronted at some point, not very far in. I mean, just in the first few weeks, we were already engaged, but um I realized that he was being com- really blatantly dishonest in with me. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I, I depended on my parents. I leaned in and, you know, really went to them and said, the, this is what it is. <laughs> I've just caught him in this bold-faced lie and we prayed about it. And it was, I would never advise somebody else like this. <laughs> you know, if, if kids were coming to me saying what they're facing, I would not say plow forward. But, um, but at the time, you know, we just had such a peace. Every one of us, I, I looked at them and they were like, I, it doesn't make any sense. It right. does, you know, logically yeah. makes sense, but we have peace. And so I would, I would move forward. We would confront something else and we would have another <laughs> prayer meeting. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So I, I, you know, and that, that's, that's what I love about Jesus, you know, the Holy Spirit's counterintuitive sometimes. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that's, that's, 
that's what wrecks the secular world, <laughs> you yeah. know, and that's why we have that faith that we have. And I love that story. I love that you went to your parents, Delinda, and and sought advice and wisdom from them and prayed about that. All right. So you guys get together, you guys get married, uh, and you guys, you, you guys are amazing entrepreneurs. And so, uh, David, I want you to share with the audience about your journey in, into this, because you you ended up, you know, you're a big deal, man. I mean, you, you got into this 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 the chef you got mentored by the chef you you really had a great restaurant you did all these things and then you got into the, you know a uh, bakery and you've got this huge bakery going and you know you get this big deal with uh starbucks i mean so how tell our audience how you went from you know where you were into this entrepreneurship world and in success that you've made well, you know, it's funny because when I go when I look back, you know, over 30 years ago, um that wasn't I didn't know this was ever going to happen. I was just, I just knew where I was. I didn't want to just be there. That's all I knew. And all I was trying to do, honestly, was to bring more revenue into the, the restaurant. And I thought, well, Sue's, Sue's Brownie Cheesecake is phenomenal. We have it on the menu all the time. And for the audience to know that we had, we had our restaurant, we had a five-course dinner, and we had like 10 items or so on the menu, and we changed them every week. Uh, so desserts got changed every week as well, but this one dessert, brownie cheesecake, did not because if we lo- if we didn't have that, people would be upset with us. So that's one. That's the setup of the, of the brownie cheesecake. Now, well, that's a that's a great cake. We saw a lot of them, uh, and people wanted to start buying them whole cakes out of the out of the restaurant. So that's kind of cool. So I thought, well, I'll go to Sam's Also Club. So I drove over there, a local one, met with the manager, and I said to James, I said, listen, I'd love to take this brownie cheesecake, put it in a package, and sell it uh, through your stores. And he said, well, he said, I, I know your restaurant. I know I, I, that's a great idea, but I can't make those calls. You have to call this number. And he gives me his piece of paper with a phone number on it. And he says, you need to call these guys. If they approve that, I'll be glad to do that. I think it's awesome. So, okay, well, I'll do that. So then a few weeks go by and I had this paper, the piece of paper, the scratch uh, phone number on it. And I don't even know what it is. I do know it's in, it says Bittenville, Arkansas in my phone number. That's all it said, actually. And so... I went, okay, well, so I called this number and a guy named Mike Denny answers the phone with, with Sam's Also Club. And I start to explain this thing. And back in those days, they were looking for cool stories I could tell about product and stuff, right? This is going back 30 years ago. And so um, he wanted me to mail the product. And I thought, mm, I'll just, how about I bring it to you? And I thought, I've got to be in person to do that. That was my gut. And so a month later, Glenn and I drove up with a baby that's only about a month old at that time, Tori, our first one, walked in there and he loved the brand cheesecake and he brought his friends around. They all love this brand cheesecake and like, hey, man, we, I'd like to do something with this. He said, so why don't we buy, we'll buy 4,000 of them and we'll put you in 20 stores. And I'm just sitting there going, yeah, I'm thinking, how am I going to do that? I'm thinking, Michael, I'm thinking 50 a week would be awesome, right? You know? Right. That's a good, that's a good extra income that helps pay rent at the restaurant. Amen. So, um, so then he says, uh, he goes, yeah, we'll do that. And if, and if this goes really well, David, he said, I'm going to put you, I'm going to put your system wide. You're going to all, I think 280 something stores back in those days. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, man. He goes, you can do this. I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. I can do this. So. <laughs> like, spoken like a true entrepreneur. Yes, I can do it. Yes. Yes is the answer. <laughs> Yes, is always the answer. That's right. Sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> uh, but uh, but I left there thinking, you know, we had prayed about this whole thing, too. And if, if that's what God's path was, um, all right, let's go do it. I get in the car and tell Delinda we're driving home immediately that day. And uh, we're trying to think, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? And I walk in the restaurant the next morning, and I have a 12-burner stove. So, so anybody knows there's 12 burners, and underneath those burners is two ovens, right? And you could probably put about three cheesecakes in each oven. That's what we're talking about. And this thing takes like an hour to bake. So I walk in, my brother goes, so what did they say? And I said, well, they're going to push, they're going to buy 4,000 of them and they'll put us in 20 stores and it goes, well, it's going to go in system wide. He goes, well, how are you going to do that? You got two ovens and one's broke. And I'm like, I have no idea. What you I said, yeah, we'll do this thing. I mean, we got six months to figure this thing out, Larry. It's January. We got to roll in June. So I got to start making this stuff by in May. So that's where we're, that's where we're at. And uh, I love that. I love that. So what I love about that, though, David, is, you know, you got that number and I I believe, you know, in divine connections, I just do. And I believe God gave you that. And, you know, you just you had no fear. You just did it, man. You just called Sam's and said, hey, you know, Walmart here, here's my deal. You know, and I love the fact also that you decided to go there to Arkansas 
in in face to face. Because let me mm-hmm. tell you something. You know, I, listen. I'm we're blessed to have Zoom. We're blessed to have that. We're blessed to be able to do that. But there's nothing like being in person. You know, there's right. nothing like exactly. it. And I don't care what kind of v- virtual reality they create. There's still nothing like being in person. And so when you did that, and then also 4,000, I mean, your brother must have thought, are you out of your mind? <laughs> you <know? Yeah. laughs> what are we going to do? But you did it. And obviously you fulfilled the order. All right. So what happened after this cheesecake was such a big success? What happened then to get you to that next level? Well, what's interesting too, is you know, I went up there. That's where most people stop. That's the fear. Because yeah. I didn't have the fear because I went up there. I didn't realize I'm playing in sand. I'm playing with the big boys right now. Right. Realize that. So I didn't have the fear of that until after I got that. I'm thinking, okay, now how do we really pull this off? Right. Uh, but a lot of us get stopped at that moment, right? And we don't take that step. But we don't get in front of them. We want it. But when it comes to that last step, do we take it? And we a lot of us don't, unfortunately. It's and good. so- uh, so it takes that to get in front of people because you, you know, I believe in spring cheesecake. I believe it'd be successful. And yeah. here's an interesting thing you just said about a divine appointment. Michael Danny, Mike Danny was the only Christian I ever met at Sam's. And he's the guy who answered the phone. I love that, man. I love that. You got to put brothers together on this whole thing. Come on, man. Well, you know, what I love about you guys and, and Delinda, when all this was going on, what do you think when he came back with this 4,000, you know, cheesecake ordered? I mean, like, did you like, yeah. Or like, did you like, are you crazy? I don't think we, ha- I don't know if I had the sense enough to know what, what we were biting off, but uh, you know, the story that we had a, a wonderful mentor that at the time was just a client in our restaurant but I think we both felt like we had the support, you know, of him to to help kind of guide us through what what do we do now? Yeah. <laughs> and we had my parents praying and everything. So I, I think we, you know, youthful ignorance or whatever, we just we we were good. Jump off. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. So good. That's so and good. the decision made was we had the I can't keep the restaurant and I felt like I could do this. I, I, there's no way I'm doing both. I didn't feel like that was even it wasn't fair even to Lee, who then invested in us to do that. I thought, I'm gonna, let's we're gonna do this, Linda. It's 100 percent in this with that PO for 4000 cakes. Right. We're right. going to build a company out of that. And so we I gave my my John, Don Thompson gave me the original restaurant. And instead of selling it to my brother, I trained him up and I gave that restaurant to him. So sometimes you've got to give something away if God's taking you somewhere else, right? So good. And, and that really happened. That's not just a people words that people say. God's taking you in the direction. What you have, you can't hold on to it sometimes. And that right. was livelihood. Yeah. Right. Good. Thing to let go. Right. That's how we made our money and stuff. Yeah. And even a ministry does. We would minister people in their restaurant stuff. So um, it was a life-changing decision to where we were living in a little house to where we moved into a warehouse. And lived in our house and built a bakery. So now we're actually living because we can't afford the apartment and the warehouse rent. So we moved it all together. The kitchen in the warehouse was our kitchen. An office, we became our bedroom. Um, and that's kind of how, how we lived for the first, the next two years. We lived in a warehouse. With our this, brand new baby. With our brand new baby. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. You know, I just think it, it's such an inspiration. And all right. So what, what happened then from that point? Okay, did getting into the Starbucks account kind of so, share that bridge? I, yeah. I know there's probably a lot of water under that bridge, but I think it's really interesting that 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 jump. It, well, so there's a guy named Kevin Johnson with it's Johnson Brothers Bakery Supply. No one knows what it is, but he's a bakery supplier. I'm used to being in a restaurant business working with Cisco Foods, Benny Keith. These are these are a broad line. They're called restaurant distributors. They they show up and they, you buy your 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 butter, your sugar, and your eggs stuff from the rest from these restaurant guys, right? And so um what what Johnson Brothers does, or Kevin does specifically, he sells only bakery items. So he actually has better pricing, better volume, better selection. And so he has just, he just started his company about a year before this time we met and he's looking to expand his company, his business. So he walks in the store and, um, and uh, he walks into Vegas and says, Dave, he goes, Hey, I'm looking my name, who I am and who what I want to do. And I said, well, Kevin, I think that's a great idea. But I've been with Jim for like, you know, 10 years with the restaurant and it's hard for me to kind of shift the gears. To, is anything else you can help me with or, or convince me of or bring along that maybe we can do. He goes, well, you know what? There's this company called Starbucks and we're distributing to them in Texas about 30 stores. You ever heard of them? I'm like, yeah, that's that coffee company, right? Now this is going back, you know, 90, 
96 or 95, something like that. He goes, well, he goes, you're having problems because we're FedExing these cakes to us, but I could actually sell you the ingredients, you make the product, and then sell them back to me, and I get them in the Starbucks for us. And I said, well, if you can pull that off, dude, I'm in with you, man. So let's do that. So he sent me the, the five-pound cakes that they're looking for. He actually sent me the case for me to look at. So I understood what I was dealing with. We duplicated them. In about three weeks, we're in his office with the Starbucks RFM who's controlling the Texas market for this. He loves our product. They love the, they love the pricing. And we're making product for Starbucks in 30, 30 stores in Dallas, Texas. I'm coming out of Dallas, Texas. Uh, well, actually all of Texas. But anyway, so we start there uh, and our products are so well received. We quickly go to like the number one products, our lemon pound cake, our banana bread, our pumpkin bread are their top sellers. And so then Paul wants to examine the five states and we go into those five states and then they're like, hey, this is doing so well. We need you in all of our stores. And at that time, I think it was like 3,300 stores or so. And that's where we started. That's crazy. I, I just love that story. I think it's fantastic. All right. So. Uh, all right. So you guys get to there. You end up, you know, uh, in Hill Country Bakery, I think is the name of the company that you had. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah. And so uh, fast forward a little bit. You sell this company at some point. And uh, I know you meet up with Lance Swall now and you do some really cool stuff. And and uh, yeah. And so uh, and then <laughs> how we met is I'll never forget it. Lance, I was doing some I don't know. I did, I did a couple speeches for Lance's group or something. I don't remember what it was, but we were having cigar scotch and scripture night. And so Lance <laughs> was all in on that. And so I know that uh, we had, uh, he called me up and said, Hey, I got this guy, you know, you need to, because at the time, I think you guys had, you also had this, this kind of this uh, whole deal that you did with, with boxing and aerobics or motorcycling or some kind of deal. And, uh, <laughs> And so you wanted, I, I don't, I remember you showed us the whole video. Anyways, it was so funny because you guys come over, Lance said, I'm coming over. I said, I'm bringing David Nolan. I said, great, bring him. And uh, so you, I, there was a party going on next door at a, at a house right next door with a bunch of teenagers. And so I'm thinking, where is Lance? I thought he'd be here by now. Well, Lance calls me. I'm saying, Michael, we're at your house, but it's a bunch of kids having a big party. I didn't know you were having a party. I said, Lance, that's the house next door. <laughs> I mean, you crazy. I mean, that's just classic Lance. Anyways, so you guys come over and man, we just, you know, you and I hit it off right from the get go. And I think, you know, entrepreneurs, it's like, we just have that same DNA. And so you shared with us the story and some of this stuff. What was that thing that you had built up and you had that amazing video? What was that? Mm-hmm. Oh, Alpha Warrior. Yeah, uh, Alpha Warrior. Yeah, Alpha yes. Warrior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what you know, we've been making cakes and cookies and stuff like that. And then back in 2010, I saw a trend happening of protein bars, protein cookies, that kind of stuff going out. Lip bars out there, power bars out there. Not a lot of, not a lot in, on the space yet. HEB is just shifting over to have one aisle of health. What used to be all of Whole Foods is health, right? But I saw this trend happening. And I thought we need to get into that. So we we started going to what's called rock and roll marathons. And that's where they'll have 28,000 people come run this course. And then when they get their, their packet to run, they got to walk through what's called a health fair. And so we rented space in a health fair and in order for me to do that was like 50 grand for the day, for the weekend. By the time I brought in my staff, flew everybody up, gave out samples, hats and t-shirts. But the, the idea is in marketing, if someone's coming in having a really great time and they try something new and they like it and they have, and they have memory of it and you talked about, right, that's exactly what happens. You can change them over a percentage of them will change over to start buying your product. And, and so, and, and I want to stop real quick. I yeah, want to pause yeah. this because this is platinum nuggets right here. And this is the, and you got, you've been doling out platinum nuggets all along, but that's yeah. what I love. You invest, you put the, you, you took a risk, you put investment, you saw the trend, you saw what was going on. You put $50,000 down, which is still money. Right. And you brought people in and you did this and for the marketing aspect. So you had invested in this and that's, I love that leap of faith that you did. So go ahead, figure. Go well, ahead, keep and, going. And we we did it like five times. So that's fifty thousand dollars every time that year. Wow. So to, to get the audience, and then you can say, look, you can buy our product. But then you go back to HEB and say, hey, I just did this thing in San Antonio, Texas. Twenty mm-hmm. thousand just ran through. They just taste our product. We want to give them your store, and so we did a place to buy because at the time we weren't doing internet sales, right? We we're trying right. to get on the grocery store shelf, right? 
And so that's kind of what we do. The product at that time was called Eoni, um, Ursul Natural Ingredients. It was a natural protein bar kind of thing we did. And, and we had inroads to in-store bakers. And so that's kind of what we rolled out. But Michael, after like the sixth or seventh event, um, and if you don't have large budget TV, millions of dollars, this is how you reach an audience. You're directly in their face, right? That's what this is for. Uh, but now all of a sudden there's Cliff Bar and there's Power Bar and there's uh, Lona Bars coming. All these other companies come in and now you're being diluted by 10 yeah. other bars. So then is my 50,000 really the value that I was getting? And it's not. And right. so we thought, well, how do we get back to value where we're the only bar in only game in town? So I said to my marketing team, find that avenue, find that event. And so they found a thing called Tough Mudder and Spartan Race. So just getting started this year, 2012. I think 2012, I think it was the first, or 11, I think it was the first Tough Mudder. And now all of a sudden they're doing this long um, marathon race or run, half marathon run in mud over obstacles, you know, in the mountains and something very different. But at the end of that race, you ran in and you got a free beer or a medal and a protein bar yeah. from Cliff. Spartan was power bar and I couldn't get in. And I thought, well, if we can't get in, then let's create our own obstacle course. If this thing's blowing up, but let's do it different. Let's don't be in the mud. And so we spent a year, Michael, going to all these events, looking at what are the logistics, what are their, who are their vendors, how many people are come, actually coming here, interview them going in. Do you like, what do you like about this? Well, I like the mud. I like to run. I like this. I like the obstacles. On the way out, I hate the mud. I don't like to run. I want the obstacles. That's what we came for, right? right. So we take this data and we collect it. And we said, okay, they don't want the mud, they don't want the miles, and they want obstacles. So our motto was no mud, no miles, uh, and pure suffering, basically, right? <laughs> no mercy is what we used to say, which means it's obstacle to obstacle to obstacle. But instead of doing it out of wood like everybody else is doing it, I have engineers who work for Hill Country Bakery. So let's make it out of steel. So we got steel, had fabricators, and we created our own obstacle course. They could set up now instead of in the, you know eight miles away from any major city. We're right downtown, in the middle of the city. In a, our first race was at Qualcomm Stadium in San Diego, awesome. California. Now we're in the middle of a city. Cities like this, so they want to pay you money to come in, sure, and bring heads and beds. They call it ta- on a hot tax. So now what I'm doing, Michael, is I'm putting my product to market, but I'm having people pay me hundreds of thousands of dollars to run my course. To promote my own market, and now I'm not at 50 grand anymore. I'm making more than that. I love that, and and that that's what I love about you. All right, so all right, so here we go. You guys sell the company, and and Delinda, I want to hear what's going on in your life at this point, and are you active, involved in this serial crazy entrepreneur husband of yours? Uh, are you just cheerleading, cheerleading him on? Are you, you know, because look, as as an entrepreneur, and you know, Stacy will testify to this. Sometimes she had to walk me off the ledge. Because <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you think, oh my God, this isn't working, or you're spending more money than the Federal Reserve printing, and you're yeah. like, come on, something's got to give here. So, how were you during this period of growth? You know, because every during all growth, you know, we have spurts of growth, then we have spurts of setback too. Yes. So, mm-hmm. how how did you deal with that as a as the wife of the entrepreneur? And were you involved in the day to day, or were you were you the were you the supporter? How was that for you? We uh, we tried me being involved early on and decided we want to stay married. And so we I'm not your boy, David. I had to tell him, look, when you come home. Yeah, I'm I'm your wife. So now what what I settled into was more of, you know, an encourager, a sounding board, a prayer warrior, (laughs) you know, like you said, talking him off the ledge, making sure that he stayed on course for what he really wanted. You know, I'm, I think sometimes when you face discouragement or, you know, face really difficult things, it's, and you're tired and you're whatever, you know, you just need somebody to say, Hey, you know, you can do this. You, 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 it's just a, it's just a bump. We're going to get over it. So that's, that's what I. But God downloaded you about your womb and Right. Well, you holding know, on to forcing me to stay with my course sometimes. Too. Right. And so I had kind of an understanding of the fact that God made him a visionary mm-hmm. and and he would literally talk to me. We would pray about and there would be a seed that God had had given him that that I felt kind of a responsibility to actually nurture, to protect and to um, to make sure that that thing wasn't aborted or miscarried until it was fully ready to be delivered. And Good. so 
you know, that's, it's the role of an intercessor. It, yeah. um, right. So that, that, that was my function through a lot of it. And just, um, just being there to, um, you know, we, we talked about like kings and priests, God always, when he raises up somebody with a kingly anointing, he, uh, he always, prophets, I meant kings and prophets. So he always brings a prophet to like, sometimes hold up the mirror and sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, bring correction and different things. And, and the Lord has put us, fitted us together in that way. A lot of times that seems to be the function. So, um, beautiful. No, I, I love that. I, I I think, you know, one of the things that you shared with us here in Dallas is about how you're, you know, the, your intercessory and how you, to get your joy and to get back there was instrumental in the success of this business. And I think uh, when I, we don't have time to go into it today, but the way that you guys went at that Lance Walnow dream deal and, or, or at church where you guys got where I think you got wrecked pretty much. You got, you yeah. got the Holy Spirit zapped you, which I love that. And it's, it, and it, and just, it's always so interesting because God will sometimes say, this is for her. This is for Stacy. This isn't for you, Michael. And Stacy comes with a revelation. It's like when we started next level experience, you know, we were charging a small amount of money. And then at some point the Holy spirit said to Stacy, stop charging them money. Hmm. And I said, okay, <laughs> I didn't hear that message, but I'm glad <laughs> you did. So, uh, and partly selfishly, I thought, okay, good. If this doesn't work, it's her fault, right? <laughs> so I'll give it all to you. And listen, Stacy has that, she listens really well. And so uh, we did, and it changed everything, you know, because it wasn't about money. It was about the ministry. It's about people going to that next level in their life. So yes, and I and I love the way he's counterintuitive sometimes in that process. And what he did with you, Delinda, was amazing. And then that changed everything because you, because I, because I think you're a little pragmatic, like me, maybe with manifesting. And so, as we <laughs> talked about that, you know, because uh-huh. uh, it's got, it's got to be real. I can't put it on, right? I, I'm not, I'm not going to go through a fire tunnel and manifest unless I feel really. If I, you know, if I get knocked down, I'm down for being knocked down. But it's going to have to be a real Holy Spirit knockdown. I'm not putting on a show. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. So I love the way that happened for you guys, and it really transformed transformed everything. Okay, so I'm going to skip forward a little bit because you guys got so much. To, we could be on here for three hours. And uh, when you were down, and listen, for those of you who want to hear the whole story, come to the next MBA. And so uh, hopefully we can get these two back in here because they were amazing. All right, so you sell the company. You got a five-year non-compete. Now you're out of the non-compete. What are you starting now, you crazy entrepreneur, <laughs> rich people? What are you guys doing now? Well, the brand is called uh, Bunt Tees, B-U-N-D-T-A-S. I took the word Bunt Cakes and took the word Tees, put it together so we can sell Bunt Cakes and Tees. And then we added cookies to the to the, to the to the store as well. And what I saw was, uh, I saw a trend. Uh, one's not a trend. Bunt Nothing But Cake is, is a bakery that's out there selling a certain style of cake, a certain type of niche market. You, you've got the grocery store, low end birthday cakes. You get the high end $70, $80 birthday cakes and wedding cakes. And then you got this niche of like $35, $45 of these bunt cakes, those little teacups. And they're the only ones really doing it that way. And, and I thought for years to go after them, but our, our business is such a size. I couldn't scale down to start a store or two or three. I had to, I had to wait on that. So I kept that idea in my mind when I knew when I sold, I'm going to do this when I, as soon as I can. But I couldn't be in the baker business for like five years. So about a year ago, in my last year of my non-compete, I started developing all my recipes for it. And then I started watching this trend of these gourmet cookies, these four-inch cookies going out and selling. Crumble's one. Others are coming out. Um, and they're becoming very successful. And now there's a cookie war, quite like the cupcake war 10 years ago. Right. So this trend trend's going on for a while. So I thought, well, we can easily incorporate that into our, our system to make gourmet cookies. And then we'll differentiate by doing like 30 or 40 gourmet cookies instead of three or four a week that are new. We'll just have new, we'll have great cookies all the time. And so that's what we did. We combined these two concepts and then we rolled it out. And uh, we've had, we've had, we've had great success as far as uh, the who, who have tried our product, love our product and we've hooked them. Uh, but now, yeah, so, so just so you guys know, he brought they, uh, Delinda and David brought like half of their store to us. <laughs> and oh my gosh, is it delicious? The cakes, the cookies, everything was so, so good. 
and uh, it was we ate really well, and uh, yeah, it was delicious. <laughs> What's well, interesting, Michael, is I was I was getting very frustrated these first six months. I'm thinking, you know, I have the baker going to do this. The marketing company goes, ah, do the Instagram, do this, and tells me how to do the post and all these different things. And thinking, yeah, we have a great holiday season, and we'll feed off that going to year. We weren't getting that. Mm. So I'm thinking back in the back in the 90s and 80s, you have a newspaper ad, you have TV or radio ad, it's cheap. Mm-hmm. You advertise your restaurant, you go. Well, okay, well, the new way is what? Because I've been in retail, I've been business to business. That's the first time in retail. I'm like, well, what do we do here? Because this ain't working. And then Delinda says, do your ground game. And I'm like, okay. So back off all the internet stuff, all the Instagram stuff. We'll keep that going. But I started feeding everybody. I've taken out probably uh 500 dozen cookies and cakes to schools to businesses we handed out fifteen thousand flyers to into the hands of students uh in our 15 mile radius um into the hands the way we set this thing up so they had it free cake free cookie for the driver bring your mom in and get a free cookie and this is starting to work now so this month we have a huge turn um, awesome. and Matt, I reached out to wedding cake planners. I reached out to events. I'm feeding them. I'm taking people out and they're like, this is awesome. This is great. You're on trend for weddings to do these individual cookies and cakes. And so, you know, we go back to the, it's old school. It's what we know. And then yeah. Instagram is part of promoting that, not starting that company. So again, right. talk about pivot. We had to pivot and I had to go back to what I know and what I know works. It builds. Amen. Yeah. So, all right. So you, so you guys got, you got, you, now tell tell our listeners about the franchise, the plan that you have for this, because I think I love this. And some of our listeners might say, hey, you know what? I'd love to get into on that. Uh, tell us how that works and what what do you forecast and what's your vision on that? Like like Delinda so, said, you are such a visionary, and I want you to share share that with us. Yeah. So what what this Bunties was never designed to be one store. It was my conception was never, I'm gonna build a little bakery and we'll do that, Delinda. That was never. And the matter of fact, the store itself, the way I've designed it, you know, it's inside, it couldn't sustain itself like it is. It has to have the secondary plant produce a product for it. That's how I set this up. And I did that because my competitors are, are in like 2,800 square feet and I'm in 1,300 square feet. Mm. Well, a thousand square feet is a lot of, a lot of money. A lot of overhead. Yeah. You can't control rent. You can't control your cams. Those are things that are out of your control. So you got right. that labor, but I can control my food costs because I'm going to produce it myself. Right. And so I've been in the frozen manufacturing business for so many years. If you eat at the top 100 restaurant chains, those frozen, those carrot cakes and chocolate fudge cake, everybody loves, those are frozen products. It's the way you formulate, the way you freeze, and the way it's presented at the store, you'd never know. That's right. So I know that about our product and how well we can do this. So that's what we've done. We've set up, we're going to set up a small plant that's going to support these stores. And what that gives the franchisee uh, consistency across board. Uh, so that chocolate chip cookie is always going to be that. That carrot cake is always going to be that. That cream cheese frosting is going to be that. I'm not going to have 500 stores out there with 500 people or a thousand people making my same recipe because it doesn't work. That's right. It would be consistent. That's Starbucks right. tried to do that for years, and they finally. It's funny a story. Starbucks wanted to go fresh in all their stores, and I was. And I said, I'm not doing it with you. I'll stay frozen. They kept me frozen in my area while they were testing it. And they kept calling me to send my frozen banana bread in. And I'm like, after a while, I said, Amy, that's like the 10th time I sent you a frozen banana bread. Why is that? She goes, because we can't make a fresh one taste as good as your frozen one. Come on. <laughs> you can't. It's, you're, you're baking something fresh, letting it sit out, and it's drying out on you. Yeah. I'm this to be the, so, so we knew it works, right? And, mm-hmm. and it works really well. you've tried the product. You can see that those products, like the fresh bake, they call it. Anyway, so, so the system is now your labor's less. Your food cost is very controlled because you're bringing. I'm bringing the product in ready to go. What's called it's called finish out. In other words, the cookie doughs you'll bake off there and top there. The cakes you're going to bring in, thaw out. The icing you're going to mix it up in a mixer. It's already ready to go. And your icy cakes. So you're just Good. fixing things out there. Well, that requires a lot less knowledge and labor, right? To do that, you can train to, to do that. The franchisees can have consistent across the board. They can order whenever they want to have product delivered to the stores, and so then they never run out. And our competitors run out because they can't bake enough that day, uh, we can deliver every day if we need to. And I, and I love I have, that. You know, and here's the, here's the kicker, Michael, is because of the 30 years I've been in, 25 years I've been in this business with Kevin Johnson. I started with, when you said that back in those days, he's my distributor for this and he can take me national. So I don't have to worry about distribution. I can just build stores and I can distribute to those stores. Uh, and our goal is to do like 50 in Texas, Starting the next two years, we'll start hopefully next year or some of the first couple, and then 50 in Texas, and we'll expand to the five states Kevin has, and then we'll go out to red states, 
I'm not going to any blue states. I just don't want to grow by now. So I understand, baby. Yeah, I, like, I like your conservativeness. <laughs> but yeah, so our plan is to franchise these. And, uh, and, and, um, and it's going to be a really easy execution, low cost to get in. Well, similarly low cost to get in, but the return on the money is going to be very quickly for them. And so, what I'm doing now is building a brand Bible. How you're, you're going to do what I'm doing now, three months before your store. While your store is being built, I'm going to send you product in, and you're going to start doing this ground game good. prior to the opening. So when you open up, you open up, and everybody knows you're there. I love that. I love the name Brand Bible. I think that's really awesome. And you know what I love is that you've got a proven track of re- record here. You've got a proven, de- and, and you and Delinda have done, done this. And so, all right, so you bring this out. So you uh, franchise, let's say let's say one of our listeners say, man, I wish I could have got in on Crumbles. I wish I could have got in on oh, yeah. whatever. And this is your opportunity to get in to, on this deal. What what kind of in uh, return, what kind of income can you expect them to make roughly? Well, they're probably going to make around, the way we got to set right now is about 32%, which is probably 15% higher than any other baker out there. Okay. Because you're not having to spend $24 for a baker and assistant baker paying. You're spending less, you're spending like $12 to $14. And unfortunately, in today's world, and we had to price this out, you know, it's not $14 everywhere. But because it's been said about the media, they expect 14 bucks an hour. Right. Now McDonald's is at 18. And you, so you have a competition in that world, but you don't have to hire experienced bakers. You just need to hire people that you can teach to decorate and bake off cookies. It's a lot right. simpler. We have in our computer system, you punch in the oven. It tells you that's the chocolate chip cookie this long that time. Number two is regular raisin. Whatever that is, it's all system controlled. Good. And so um, because of that, uh, you have less labor, your food cost is better controlled, and, and then you're in a smaller space doing the same or more volume than your competitors with a bigger space with more overhead. Great. All right. So you got a nice wide margin for them to make a lot of money. Yep. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. And uh, that's really good. And so what, like when you set the franchise up, let's say there's, you know, you got one here in, you know, Dallas area, Preston Hollow, Preston Center. How do you give a protection area in that, in that, in that region yeah we'll pick a certain amount of zip codes that makes okay. sense and and, yeah. and here's how it works it's in the delivery system right so if you're you're going to deliver you're going to you're going to have an app called the bunchies app inside that app they'll go to that app and order and then doordash is going to be our national our national distributor it's called white table it's behind the scenes you the way i set this up behind the scenes is doordash charges the customer but not me um where if you're on the doordash website they charge the customer and they charge the restaurant like 20%. Right. So we set it up to do it the other way. So what you'll have is wherever door you to deliver within about five or six mile radius is your store. So yeah. you can have a couple of stores within, within five, six miles of each other and not each other's flow of business. Well, I, I, we sampled everything that you brought in and we ate it all too. And it was fantastic. It was delicious. Okay. So I could talk, like I said, I could talk for so much longer and you guys got so much more to do. And I hope you guys write this book. Uh, I'm praying about that. All right. So Delinda, I want you to give, uh, what, what advice would you give to a couple, an entrepreneur couple out there? Uh, cause as you know, sometimes it's feast or famine out there for us entrepreneurs and, uh, you know, and so what advice would you give, uh, maybe uh, to the wife, the spouse of the entrepreneur, and how to how to you know in this in this process, what would you say to them? What what words of wisdom would you give them? Um, well, first of all, I think that it's important to get clear. There's a difference between owning a business and being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people run businesses, but but if you're calling is to to be this crazy <laughs> crazy person um, you know i mean right. get clear on that because i think what carried us so often was we got a prophetic word. well the lord gave me really an understanding of partly of what, where we were going where he's taking david then we got a prophetic word you know that really directed the course of our lives mm-hmm. and and I think it's knowing that, you know, yeah. really getting clear on that so that you've got that to go back to and hold on to, you know, it's yeah. knowing the word of the Lord over your lives, coming into agreement with each other and with the Lord about that calling and just refusing to, to settle for anything less. You know, I mean, it, you, it's, you've got to be tenacious it's good, and you got to be in unity. Yeah. Yes. It's good words. All right, David. 
you're talking to an entrepreneur audience, what would you what would be your best words of wisdom? You know, I think I think for me, um, I think we're well, I think where a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck is they're they they get they get where they want to go. They get to that, they get that spot, and they're expecting happiness from that. And it's it's not going to be there, not for very long. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's not the it's not it's a climb of Mount Everest that has the beautiful view. The guy who flies a helicopter up there will never understand that view. You That's know, right. I mean? because he didn't make that climb. And my happiness is in the drive. It's in the building. It's in the design and creating, growing and going. Um, and 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 then when you get to the top, I'm looking to the next mountain. I'm not staying there. That's not satisfying to me. Or I'm looking at peaks along the way. How can I pull this peak in? So we got to stay in the drive. You got to stay driven. To what you're going to do. Uh, ask about it. And then what happens is that's on the that's it on the successful side. On the unsuccessful side, when you hit that ledge, you hit that wall. You've got to be five walls ahead of it. You got to have five revenue side concepts ahead of it. So when you get to that wall, you know maybe you know it's coming. Even if you don't know it's coming, you got to pivot to go around that wall, go through it, around it, up and over it because you got nothing. You got other things that you're doing. You're constantly building and stuff. So to be honest, I'm not. Uh, it's funny because there's a point, Michael, that um, I saw myself as a restaurant owner, and I told my wife, I said, Delinda, I'm a restaurant consultant. I'm not a restaurant owner. Uh, because I started consulting with other restaurants about desserts I needed and things. And I got in the baker business. Now I'm a baker guy and I own, and I own that. And then I'm a business guy. And she, in the beginning, because of the lies in the past, she's like, David, you own a restaurant. You're not a restaurant consultant. Eventually we get to understand that God said, no, you're a restaurant owner now, but you are a restaurant consultant. You're speaking that in and you became a restaurant consultant. Then I become a businessman. Then I became an investor. Then I became one. So I was always calling in. I'm now a businessman. I now am going to sell this company and become an investor. I'm now going to be a mentor. So I was always calling in who I was going to become. And I wasn't satisfied. I was satisfied with where I was. But I was never going to stay with where I was, not in my position. I'm always looking, what's that next thing? And I'm calling it in. So I was always telling myself and describing myself as what the future was, not where I was presently. So good. That's so good. I love that. Like if you hit a wall and, and you know, you got to know what five, you know, five, five different things ahead of you, what you can do. And because look, the what we're gonna, you're gonna hit a wall. It's an entrepreneur, you're gonna hit a wall. You're gonna be standing at the edge of a ledge thinking about jumping sometimes. Yeah. You know, you're gonna be there, you know, and uh, and so you need that, you need that mentors, you need that coaching, you need that people that have experience like yourself, Delinda and, and David, that have gone, <clears throat> that have persevered through that fire, through that flame. All right. So let's say somebody says, man, I've been waiting for this opportunity and I want to do this. How would they get a hold of you to get, to come into this Bunties franchise? Well, you can email me at, at david at bunties.com and okay. talk to you there. We're, we're, we're about six months before we can start looking at launching our first franchise. We're going through the legal systems now and the right. how to do that. And then we're going to start with a few franchises. The way I set it up, Michael, is I've got a small little plant that can support about five stores. Gotcha. And what I want to do is I want to get those five stores up and running with that plant. And then once I have that number, then I'm going to build the bigger plant. We can do like 50 stores, but I'll design the plant in such a way I can just grow as franchises come in. So I'll extend the, and this is what we did. We had a, we had a 12,000 square foot plant that was designed. And by the time I sold it, we had 300,000 square feet of plant space. And so it's not like I haven't done this before. We have this laid out and planned out to do it. So as we grow our franchises at 50 or 100 at a time, we'll expand. By the time they open up, we're able to produce product for them. I love um, it. That's kind of the idea behind it. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's really good. I, I love that, that you're going to have your own deal. and Because you, you've already got, you've got one store open, yes. You've got a yes. prototype, yes, there, there in San Antonio. And then uh, uh, the other thing I think, which is really good, and I, I want to tell my listeners is look this is not a ground floor opportunity this is the basement opportunity (laughs) okay so uh we'll put your information in the show notes too as well and so uh yeah all right so i always ask my guests uh this and uh, i probably didn't get you prep for this but uh, you guys are good so uh (laughs) what what uh delinda what scripture are you sitting on right now if any and why and any interesting books you've read lately Oh my gosh, Michael. I know. <laughs> Listen, um, there's so many. There's a stack of like five <laughs> books on my nightstand at all times. Um, well, goodness. I think the, uh, the Lord's been, I, I've been really 
looking at, you know, just what's going on in the world yeah. right now and trying to make sense of it all and just really spending time with the Lord on that because, and David and I've talked about like, you know, the, the ability to keep one foot in, you know, in gear and plowing forward, but one foot in the, in the spirit realm, keeping our eyes looking up, you know, I mean, it, and, and I heard Amir Tsarfati said the other day, he said, for every minute that you spend looking around at what's going on, you need to spend a minute looking up and because we've got to keep balance. And so I think a lot of what I'm reading right now has got to do with that. Good. Um, really good. Any, so, any particular scripture that you're sitting on right now? Oh, goodness. <clears throat> I, I've actually, I'm not, it, it's nothing I'm standing for. I've been going back. I've, I'm in Matthew right now and just mm-hmm. really sitting with the words of Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. about partly because of, you know, his, his words, like what, you know, what, what are we looking for, Lord? You know, you right. know, so his encouragement to his people. And I, right now I'm literally sitting in the Beatitudes and just oh, good. Yeah, so well, that's um, really good. That's really good. I've been watching that on Chosen. I don't know if you guys watched Chosen. I love yes. it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I love that's that. Good. And da- so, David, what scripture are you sitting on right now? So I don't know. The, I don't know the scripture. But I'll tell you what it says. Yeah. Uh, and every time I got off track, uh, and and the business started to fail, because I wasn't. It wasn't I walked away from God, but I wasn't walking with God. And those are two different things. Mm-hmm. Not walking with God. And I and I was reminded that Jesus is praying. This night, he has sweat his blood. The guys are asleep and he's saying, God, can this cut pass from me? Mm. Well, he could have easily said, God, can this cut pass from me and move it on? Amen. Mm. He didn't say amen to that. Mm. He said, but not my will, your will. And right. so what I'm looking at going forward is Bunty's God's will for my business, my family, the future for the investors, for the franchisees. Yes, it is. It's God's will, I think, to do that. It's God's will for me to build this franchise. It's God's will to put people in business and are making money to help them. And this could be little churches in every little neighborhood across Come the on. country, right? If, yes. we get, if we get it right. And so, uh, but if it's not God's will, then I'm asking God then, like Jesus, will I go through that fire? Now I'm not prepared to go through what he did, and I have, and I'm not preparing us, myself to that. But but we're looking at that, and and I'm going to make sure that I don't just say man because it's something I prayed I wanted. I want to say, but not my will, Father, your will for my life, my family, my future, our businesses, and what we're going to do. And then begin to pray for those who are coming alongside of us. We're already going to start praying for our franchisees and putting glory and power and precious mercy over them. And so. That's kind of where I just got stuck with that a few days ago, and it just really impacted no, me. Good. That I don't, I don't want to say man anymore to something that's not in agreement with him. He says, "Pray in my name." My the thing that that um, in agreement with my father, and he'll give it to you. Well, Jesus, and it, it wasn't in agreement. Father didn't want that. You have to go. To the right. I think that's really good. I love that. I love the whole visual on that too. And so, tell me about uh, any books that you're listening to right now or reading that you really like. Oh yeah, knowing God. Uh, I I J.I. Packard is one I love. Uh, Abba's Child is phenomenal. Um, it's about the love of God. It's about the love of Jesus. How much He loves you. Um, you walk away and the frustration you have. And part of his this guy's story is, is how I felt. That's a good one. Um, I love David Lumbaum. Just a lot of his stuff, like Jesus on Trial, Knowing Jesus, Who's the Real Jesus. There's a series there. And so I'm focusing on that. And then all the Gospels and Romans. Yeah, every man. day I listen to one of the Gospels, and every day I listen to partial Romans, and I'm, and I'm working through that. So we're in the Gospel right now, because what we wanted to do, Michael, is go back to what did Jesus say? Mm-hmm. Not, not and, and, the, and the Bible is fantastic, and we've said the Old Testament and all these stories, we understand that. Um, but, but really, the Gospels is something, so we never are not listening to the books. Um, I love it. Yeah, I love it. So that's our first book. Well, you guys are amazing. You guys, and thank you so much for being on the Next Level podcast. I so appreciate it. Stacy and I just we just really, really fell in love with you guys this last time. And and David, I know we saw you at Ann McDonald's deal, and you did great there. And so uh, it kind of connected. Then we then I mean, as time goes, as we get busy, and and Stacy kept saying, "Get a hold of David, get David <laughs> in here." And I remember I thought, "Well, honey, I, you know, it's two NBA is like ten days, two weeks out, you know." <laughs> so I text you out of a deal, and then you like, "Yes, I'm in." Yeah, I'm gonna bring my it. wife. I said, "Great, this is perfect," because we had like. 
we had like five married couples in MBA this time, which was incredible. And I just love the way the Holy Spirit brought it all together. So yeah. uh, you guys are amazing. You guys are true entrepreneurs and uh, listeners. These people look for their book. I'm I'm really pushing them to write their book. And so uh, however they get done, I don't oh. care, man. My hook or crook, man. Let's just get that because you guys, Stacy and I, want to share the stage with you guys and really have some fun in this uh, in this ministry and, and in business. So, uh, David, Delinda, you guys are amazing. Thank you for being such uh, ballers in His kingdom and uh, showing up big constantly, and I love that. So, thank you so much for being on the Next Level Podcast. Love you guys. It. Thank you for listening to the Next Level Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share. For more resources to help you maintain your next level life, join our community at themichaelmcintyre.com.